The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. I've ridden the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland enough times to be very, very familiar with the phrase, dead men tell no tales. Well, we're not talking about pirates today, but we are going to learn that dead men and dead women do, in fact, tell tales. Archaeologists learn a great deal about human history from the dead, uh, what we used to look like, what we used to eat, who we traded with, how we died, how we dressed, and so much more. So let's dig into some old death on a rotten, decayed, but still very well-preserved episode of Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. All right, this episode, Time Suck 13, is a listener-suggested episode. Again, special thanks to British archaeologist and time sucker Rebecca Pridmore for not only suggesting this topic, but doing a lot of the research. Sending me the links to various fascinating articles on uh, a variety of interesting discoveries of tombs or of ancient corpses. Now, a a few weeks after Rebecca suggested this article, I got to thinking about what we learned from the dead uh, because I went on a a field trip with my son, Kyler, uh, with his school. And we went to, uh, I was a parental volunteer, uh, which is always interesting. I feel like a sociologist when I'm around uh, uh, (laughs) him and his classmates, just like, kids are so fucking weird. Um, but we went to this museum and they had this, uh, Egyptian mummy display, uh, some unknown woman. I, th- I think, I want to say it was on loan from a, a New York museum, but it's Annie is, is the mummy's name. Maybe you've seen this mummy at a, at a different museum yourself. This was in Spokane at the Mac, uh, Spokane, Washington. And, and I read about this display, uh, about Annie and, and it was interesting, like all the things they did to mummies that I, I'm sure I'd learned before, but I'd forgotten about like the, they had all these urns where they, you know, I guess they used to take uh, the the various organs out of the dead person and put like their heart in this urn and their, you know, stomach in this urn and et cetera, et cetera. And each urn had like the, like the top of the urn, which is, you know, basically like a jar, fancy word for jar. 
um, had uh, a picture of some Egyptian god on it or like a little carving of like their head, like Ra or something. And I guess, you know, various gods were associated with various organs. And, uh, and then they wrapped the body. Uh, and Annie was kind of a weird mummy where they don't, she wasn't royalty. They don't think, they think, uh, I guess the, the, the Egyptians were, Oh, paid special respects to people who died in the Nile. They think it was some girl who just like some fifteen year old. I want to say like girl who who drowned in the Nile, and um, but anyway, that, that doesn't matter. I guess like they, like they found like they they wrapped they wrapped their bodies and all this stuff, <laughs> and they did one thing that I found very interesting. They I guess like when wealthy people died in, in their tombs, they would find all these remains of, like food and stuff too. And what they figured out, what they've learned from the Egyptian dead. Is that uh, you know, if like a wealthy person died, you know, and they and they had their Egyptian tomb, and they had all of the they had all these like items in the tomb, and I guess the Egyptians believed that like you needed this stuff in the afterlife, like you needed the physical stuff, and I guess they put like uh, various organs in various jars because they thought I guess you were going to somehow reassemble yourself maybe in the afterlife, or or at least you needed to access those organs and have them in like good condition. You needed to access your old physical body. And and they not only did you and you needed like you know uh, I don't know fucking sword or or whatever like household items in the afterlife, but they also would bring them food, like like real meals. So they'd have some servant bring uh you know down some meal into the tomb for this uh, mummy to to nibble on because you know because you, you don't want to get hungry when you're dead, you know that's the last thing you want. Last thing you want is you got your fucking stomach in your in your jar in your stomach jar. And you got your brain in your brain jar, and uh, everything's everything's kosher. Uh, but you know you're hungry. You're, you know, you're hanging out in the afterworld with your weird rotten body and your and your jar organs. But you don't got uh, some some tasty vittles to, to munch on. <laughs> the, the shit people believe. I, I always wonder, like, what like uh, two thousand years from now, people are going to look back at us and think, like, what are these fucking idiots? Why were they doing that? Um. Uh, sorry uh, if you're a religious person, but I'm guessing that in enough time, all the religions of today are going to be uh, laughed at. That's just, that is that is my uh, thought. <laughs> if you're a religious person, I'm sure right now you're thinking, well, except for mine, fucking dick. Mine's going to be the one that's going to be found out to be totally true. Well, good luck with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's these people, they, they believe this stuff. That's what's fascinating to me. Like the ancient Egyptians, they totally believed... I mean, these were people who were able to assemble pyramids and have this uh, civilization that in terms, uh, you know, from what I remember reading about the Egyptians in terms of uh, architecture and social structure and, you know, they had libraries and things. Like, like I want to say in Alexandria, they had this uh, amazing library. Like, they were ahead as far as being civilized far more than a lot of their contemporaries, yet they believed that the dead needed someone to bring them snacks. Man. How much would it have sucked to have been like a servant assigned to that job? Like you're probably eating some shitty fucking flatbread and I don't know, goat thigh, <laughs> something, you know, you're probably, probably super hungry most of the time. I mean, I know a lot of people starved back then, just in ancient history in general, a lot of poor people starved. That's, a lot, that's one of the main, main things poor people did in ancient times was starve, be very hungry, be malnourished, you know, and you're probably bringing, you know, they're not going to be sending like a, a, a cracker. You know, if somebody's rich enough to have a tomb, and they're rich enough to have meals brought to them, they're not getting, uh, you know, uh, a, a wheat triscuit cracker and a small glass of dirty water. Like, they're getting some some beer, 
you know, mead or whatever, some dates and honey, you know, I don't know, some fucking Nile trout or whatever, whatever kind of fish were in there, whatever kind of fine meats, you know, they're getting a, they're getting a filet mignon, and you're the servant, you're hungry, your stomach's rumbling, and you're fucking walking a steak, like a perfectly good steak into this dead person's tomb. And I'm sure a lot of people, you know, the poor people believe what the rich people believe, whatever religion of the day. But there had to have been a few skeptics, though, were like, fuck this shit. I'm not, I bet, I bet, I bet some of those people, servants, would just sit in the tomb and treat themselves, right, to a nice steak. That's what I like to think I would do. You know, after like the, the 50th time where I come back and I realize that this, the previous shit I brought is just rotting and not being eaten because it's a goddamn mummy whose mouth is even taped shut. So how are they supposed to eat this stuff anyway? I, I would think I'd be like, hey, man, good news, everybody. Your, your grandpa has been, his appetite is back. His at, he is, he is a, the fucking healthiest dead eater I've ever seen. Uh, every plate is just polished clean. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But anyway, uh, so this trip to the, to the field trip um, to, my, to my son's school and then, and then Rebecca's uh, suggestion, yeah, just got me thinking about this. And, uh, and now I'm going to get into some of the articles uh, she sent to me. And the first is this bog bodies. And by the way, this is going to be a little less structured than my, my past couple of time sucks. Uh, I got to keep it varied to keep myself interested. And I'd like to think that interest will be passed along to you as well. I think, I think the last couple were, had a big biography chunk, you know, with Bundy and, and then uh, Elon Musk or Elon, however you say his fucking crazy South African name. I think it's Elon. Elon. Whatever. Mr. Musk. You know, it, it was that time suck timeline and, and going and marching kind of forward. Very, very linear episodes. We're just going to kind of bounce around on this one. Uh, a little loosey-goosey. So one of the things Rebecca sent me was this article on these bog bodies of Northern Europe. And that's, and, and B-O-G bodies, these uh, people who had died in these peat bogs and had their remains like preposterously well-preserved. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen a picture of one of these people. I'm going to have some on the, uh, on the episode description at timesuckpodcast.com if you haven't, just for easy access. But uh, I remember first seeing a picture of one of these in a National Geographic article a while back. And uh, when, I, when I was a kid, I, I have a special love for National Geographic, by the way. Uh, when I was a kid, my great-grandpa had a subscription uh, to National Geographic. I uh, had one for years. My great-grandpa John kept every issue, and, and he gave them all to me. Like, I, I, I became interested in this stuff. He was like a guy who just, um, small-town guy, from originally from Sweden, immigrated over. Uh, made it to Minnesota where he met my great grandma, made it over to, to Riggins, Idaho, following his dad, just, uh, I think, construction and sawmill and mining work. Things weren't going well in Scandinavia economically, you know, brought, their, brought his brothers over. And, and he was, you know, lived in this little small town, but, but fascinated by the world. And he always had like almanacs. Uh, he, he had the Guinness Book of World Records every year, <laughs> which I later made fun of in a, in a bit, just that book. But, uh, and he had all these National Geographic's. And, and they're just a really cool magazine. But, um, and he saw that I became, as opposed to reading just random kid books, or kind of, he thought it was really cool that I got into reading the National Geographic and you give them all to me. And, and, and they really nurtured a curiosity about the world that remains to this day. I mean, they made me want to travel. You know, they helped some dumb kid from a town of less than 500 white people in the middle of the Idaho wilderness understand just, just you know, how much more of the world there really is than, than what I could just see around me. You know, I understand geography because of those maps. They were, they were laid out in certain issues, you know. I was always excited to get a National Geographic issue that had a cool map inside it. Um, you know, I dreamed of walking the, the Great Wall of China, hiking Machu Picchu, 
I used to actually put some of those maps on the walls where normal kids would place posters. Uh, to be fair, I also had a poster of Cathay Ireland and Carl Malone and Jordan, of course. And then, you know, when I was in junior high, you know, they, they, they helped me jerk off because uh, those jungle women were often topless, which was more than I could, you know, get my hands on. is better than the JCPenney Christmas catalog bra section. But that's, that's another topic that uh, many of you probably w- would not like to hear. But... One of these uh, National Geographic issues, it was actually one when I was older. Because of my love, whenever I'd go to, like, a doctor's lobby or, you know, like, de- you know, at the dentist waiting to go in for your appointment, a lot of times they have National Geographic out in the lobby, and those are the ones I always grab as opposed to, you know, Sports Illustrated or, or whatever. And um, one time, it's like 2007, 2008, flipping through one of these, and I remember this guy, and I, and I went back and found it online, so I, I knew what to call it, this Tolland man, T-O-L-L-U-N-D, and he's one of these bog corpses it's 2300 years old incredibly preserved body from a man who died from hanging and you don't need to be a forensic pathologist to figure out uh that he was hung because the 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 remains of the rope are still around his neck and they are so perfectly preserved i mean it looks like a rope you could still use it's 2300 years old crazy how well this bog dude uh was preserved it it is a weird look these bog corpses they don't have any natural color like their bodies are all the same shade of bog brown because of the chemical process that kind of preserves them, they they kind of like become part bog themselves, kind of like a like a fucking swamp thing type transformation in a way, you know, a swamp thing from the familiar humanoid shape, but composed of plant life. Uh, the bog people, human perfect human shape of how they died, but uh, a bog like substance that makes up part of their part of their body. Kind of. It's fucking weird. But it, but it's crazy. Like, the detail you can see on these corpses. Like, uh, you know, there, I've seen pictures of these bog corpses where you can see stubble on the face. Uh, and I'm going to have some of these pictures up on the site as well. Uh, uh, the way their hair was styled the moment they die. Like, you can see, like, the str- individual strands of hair. Uh, expressions on their face. The fucking lines on their, on their face. You know, from li- leading hard medieval lives. Uh, like archaeologists could tell from this corpse that he had uh, had his nose broken and abdomen sliced open before being hung. Didn't didn't go easily. They they rarely did back then. Uh, they knew what his last meal was. Some type of porridge they were able to recreate and actually taste. It's fucking crazy. And they found and they found hundreds of these guys throughout the years. Or guys and gals. These bog people. I mean, they were regular humans. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I don't want anybody to think like, ah, oh, fucking bog people, huh? I've heard about them. So they're, are they related to mole people? No, there was no bog people. I feel like if there were, they'd be kind of like a picturing some kind of dwarf gnome situation. If there was like a bog, but anyway, okay. So uh, there was a, there was the Cheshire Cheshire, excuse me, bog man, and this was a this was a body found in Cheshire, England. Uh, a guy who died around sixty A.D. And this this one, he's so well preserved. Uh, they know he was in his mid twenties, stood about five seven, uh, which wasn't short back then. That was a that was a manly height. Uh, if you're some dude who's like, listen, right now he's like 5'5", five, five, you're probably like, fuck you. Rightfully so. Your height is manly as well. Ish. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, he had a trim beard, mustache, uh, brown hair. Uh, when I heard about that, when I saw the trim beard, I did think like, how the fuck did dudes trim their beards like, like in 60 AD? Like, that must have sucked. Like it's not like they had electric beard trimmers or even or even like those like those small super sharp mustache scissors you can buy. Like I'm picturing some poor bastard just like hacking at his face with a with a sharp piece of flint, 
using his reflection in some, you know, crappy pond for a mirror. Man, fuck that. I don't want that at all. Well, this guy, he, this Cheshire uh, guy, he was knocked in the head. His had his skull fractured. Then, after getting the skull fractured, uh, I don't know how they determine the timeline, but this is what they're saying. And these are like I'm getting this from like a place like the Atlantic and stuff, not like uh, just Wikipedia. Uh, cord goes around his neck. His throat was sliced, and he was kicked into the bog. They like they even knew he was kicked in the back by some wound on his back, some death wound. And then, nearly two thousand years later, uh, you know. Discovered by by some dudes digging for peat in the Linda, Lindau Moss. Now this is fascinating to me about this Lindau uh, Moss peat bog site. The bog's just like a marsh, basically. Um, other bodies have been found in this same Lindau Moss uh, over the years, and one check this shit out. One of these helped solve a modern murder case. This is a testament to how well preserved these bodies are, because a body was found in uh, in, in, in the Lindau Moss. 1983, the police at first thought it belonged to a recently murdered woman from the area. By coincidence, uh, it was found just like a thousand feet from the cottage of a man who was suspected in his wife's disappearance. The police confront this dude with the bog body they just found under questioning. He confesses to killing her. Uh, A few months later, they realize, oh, ah, shit, our mistake. Uh, the body we found was a 2,000-year-old woman. <laughs> but uh, uh, thanks for confessing. You're still going to be convicted of murder. So great job. Oh, man, I don't, know, uh, I don't know any more about that guy who was convicted, but I do know he would fucking hate this week's episode of Time Suck. Wouldn't he? Let's talk about some salt in the wound. So I was wondering, like, uh, that, that's just crazy to me. So I was wondering, like, why are these bodies preserved so well? And like, like, as opposed to people who've died in, you know, like Arizona or Utah or Pennsylvania, and it's just, you know, Africa, just fucking bones. Why do, why do we got so much more details with these bog people? Well, uh, according to the Atlantic uh, magazine, unlike Egyptian mummies, the, the bog bodies owe their state to an accident of chemistry. That's, that's their a quote, accident of chemistry. I guess these bogs, they were buried in, uh, bog contain very little oxygen, which uh, inhibits bacterial growth. The most important ingredient for the bog body survival uh, comes from this uh, plant, uh, sphagnum. When sphagnum dies, it releases uh, polysaccharides, which block bacterial metabolisms. This helps organic matter like skin, wood, fur, textiles uh, from decaying. And, and, the, and the bogs also kind of cure the bodies in this process akin to tanning, which I think is why they get like the brown look. But this is, a, and then just a weird little side note, while they're like really good at preserving the skin, they do eat away at the bones. So a lot of times they find these remains and the, the skin and hair and everything is perfectly preserved on the outside. Uh, no bones inside. What the fuck? That's weird. It's just weird. And, uh, and also the acid in the bog destroys DNA. So they can't get any kind of genetic uh, knowledge from these people. They can like find out what they ate when they died and what they look like. But... Uh, it's like the 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 insides aren't regular insides anymore, and so they can't get like you know any DNA. But there is again again. There's a lot of forensic data preserved in the in, in the bog bodies. Uh, t- talks about like they were able to find out their social status, medical history, and again the food they ate in their final final hours. Like the Tallinn man, his last meal was a gruel, some kind of nasty gruel. Uh, some other guy, the the Grubal man, ate a porridge made out of sixty different types of plants. That's some fancy fucking porridge, my friend. The old Krogan man, uh, an aristocratic giant from Ireland, lived mostly on meat and dairy, but his final meal was buttermilk and cereal. I'm guessing 
cereal, some kind of just like basic grain. I don't think he's having like Lucky Charms or some shit. A little, little before General Mills time. The Lindau man had an upmarket, is how they describe, ooh, an upmarket meal of griddle toasted flatbread. That sounds pretty good. Griddle toasted flatbread. Back in 60 AD, man, they were, they were toasting some shit on the griddle. And he had a little small edition of mistletoe pollen. That's a cute phrase, mistletoe pollen. Sounds fucking terrible. Uh, you want some pollen on your flatbread? No, no, I don't. Never had pollen, but I have no interest in trying it. Uh, some of these people had finely manicured hands, wore elaborate hairstyles, uh, kind of indicated their rank as freedmen or warriors. Uh, but And also, it says uh, in the Atlantic, an unusual number of the, of the bog bodies suffered from physical deformities. And here's, I bet that was just a result of living in an age when there was no Western medicine. You know, like, like, like some of these, they said deformities were just, you know, fairly minor, like cauliflower ears. So maybe they're wrestling, they're wrestling, uh, curved spines, disease joints, which would have made walking difficult. Other abnormalities were more pronounced. Uh, says a survey of bog body research turns up a dwarf, a giant, a man with an extra set of thumbs. One researcher thinks this might be significant, you know, as far as like the high percentage of these people that had abnormalities were found because he thinks, you know, maybe, quote, visually special people, end quote, may have been deliberately targeted for their uniqueness and possibly spiritual power. Like maybe they were sacrificed because they looked different. I think maybe just a lot of people were fucked up back then, you know, had, with because they didn't have, uh, you know, vitamins and good medicine. That's what I think. I, I, I don't know if anybody else in the science community agrees with me, but, uh, you know, I, but I, I personally, I can't stand it. A little side note here. I can't stand it when people shit on modern medicine and act like homeopathic stuff from the dark ages is better. You know, maybe sometimes, maybe sure, sometimes, you know, situationally, but you're kidding yourself. You're fucking kidding yourself if you think you'd be healthier living back in time. You know, you'd probably, you'd probably, you'd probably have a limp, you know, because you broke your leg like a lot of people do, but there's no real doctor who said it. Instead, you got, you got Olaf. The town blacksmith, or maybe Igor the Wise. You know, you get some dumb shit rubbing bark on your shin and trying to pray it back together, or something else stupid. You know, maybe they put some leeches on your ankle, maybe bleed your leg back together. Or you'd have polio, or rickets, or scurvy, uh, scurvy, scurvy, <laughs> scurvy sounds kind of fun. You have scurvy, you know, or some, you know, some other ailment that could easily have been prevented today by the occasional Flintstone vitamin. Uh, another thing uh, the bog bodies make clear is that mistreatment they suffered in death was extreme as it was varied. Uh, the Harald Skar, I can't pronounce half these words, woman was killed with a garret. The Yid girl was strangled with her own girdle. Ooh, fuck, man. Tallinn man was hung. Some teenager from northern Germany was hogtied before his death. Uh, a lot of different bodies had their throats cut. One girl was drowned, and then her arm was hacked off. What the fuck? Uh, Barros woman was scalped, her face crushed, and her right leg broken. Oh, she must have did something serious to piss somebody off. The old, or, or been accused of being a witch and been a totally cool person who just, you know, fucking weirdos of the day threw something her way. The old Krogan man was hit with a barrage of blows, most likely from an axe, enough to sever his head and cut his body in half. God damn. <laughs> ah, why would you ever want to live in medieval Europe? That sounds like it sucks. You know, like I love the Princess Bride, that movie, but I don't, I don't think they accurately portray the time. The, the, not that that movie was supposed to, by the way. I'm not a fucking. I know it's a Mel Brooks movie. Okay. So again, the lesson here is that it would suck to go back in time. That's what I, that's what I'm that's what I'm taking from this. Like I, I, there's no stats available for how often a brutal death occurred in medieval Europe, but I, I feel like from all the stuff I've read over the years, it seems like it's about one and two. Or maybe somewhere between one and two and one and one. Jesus. 
Um, and the violence, I guess, in these bodies continued after death. Some of the bodies had their arms pierced. Uh, willow branches were drawn through the wound. Others had wooden stakes through the knees. Oh, man. Uh, somebody, somebody wrote that these restraints may have been a way of taming the dead, pinning the ghosts to the spot where they died. Yeah, okay, that sounds, that sounds yeah, like that would do the trick. Um, some of them had part of their head shaved. Uh, some of them buried naked. Some of them wrapped in only a shroud. Um, in addition to everything else was done, the old Krogan's nipples were sliced. And I guess this may have special significance. According to ancient Irish traditions, uh, sucking a king's nipples was a way of showing him submission. You fucking hear that? Sucking an ancient Irish king's nipples was a way of showing him submission. I thought this was just fucking nonsense. And I did more Googling on this. And there was a variety of articles (laughs) that talks about this happened. You know? know, that's, That's what ancient Irish kings did. Can you fucking imagine that? You know, you say you're loyal, Baron McCormick, but it has been three moons since you suckled upon my teat. I will send soldiers to defend your castle. But not until you've licked and nibbled upon my right nipple while Lord O'Reilly cuppeth my balls and the Earl of Dublin slightly strokes the king's cock. I, again, I don't know what that accent was. But, <laughs> but what the fuck? I feel like this is something Trump would want to bring back. You know, maybe make, you know, Pence suck on his nipples a bit before briefings. You say you're with me, Mike, but I haven't had a tremendous suckling in weeks. Uh, anywho, no one knows exactly why these people were killed. Uh, we've learned a lot about what medieval Europeans ate, looked like, what they wore, etc. though, from these bog bodies. I think that's pretty cool shit. Uh, there were some more articles uh, Rebecca sent me. One was um, that Hebrew University archaeologists uncovered a 12,000-year-old grave inside a North Israel cave that was so well-preserved they were able to reconstruct the type of funeral that took place. Uh, this woman was laid on a bed of specially selected materials, including gazelle horn cores, uh, fragments of chalk, fresh clay, limestone blocks, sediment, tortoise shells were placed under and around her body, 86 in total, seashells, an eagle's wing, leopard's pelvis, forearm of a wild boar, even a human foot were placed on the body of this mysterious, you know, roughly four and a half foot tall woman. Uh, atop her body, a large stone was laid to seal the burial space. How do you like to be the funeral director back then? Man, that's, that would suck ass, you know? So, all right, Abraham, we're, uh, we're having Judith's uh, funeral on Friday, and for starters, we're going to need 86 turtle shells. Oh, ooh, <laughs> man, I'd love to help you, Abel. I, I, I just got a shipment of about 50 turtle, turtle shells in from my, from my turtle guy in Crete. Uh, is, is that, is that going to cut it? Who the fuck do you think my mom is, Abraham? Some common 50 turtle shell having tavern whore? You get those 86 fucking turtle shells, you son of a bitch. And, and, I'm gonna need a leopard pelvis, okay? All right? Okay, okay, I get it, I apologize, I get it. But, yeah, I I just sold my last leopard pelvis this morning. Uh, I can give you a tail and three leopard feet. You get that fucking pelvis and a wild boar forearm and you throw in a human fucking foot, or I will bury you with my foot up your lazy ass. And just because you pissed me off, we're going to do all this uh, deep inside a fucking K, okay? Yeah, that was an accurate portrayal. You guys, that was like, a, that was like as if I had a, a, a window into the past and was overhearing an actual conversation. That was, I'm sure, incredibly accurate. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's so they so they, yeah. Based on that, they, they just they they found out uh, how how this woman was kind of uh, buried and and how, how her funeral went. You know, the stages of laying down 
this and then the placing the turtle shells and all that. And, uh, and, and I guess this woman was buried alone, so they think she must have been some kind of shaman and maybe the tortoise shells and stuff had religious significance. I don't know. Maybe she just really liked fucking turtles. All right, the last one. Last one I, I'm going to talk about in this time suck is uh, in 2015, archaeologists in Greece discovered a tomb that would make Indiana Jones giddy. They found an undisturbed burial tomb of a 3,500-year-old Greek Mycenaean warrior. Bones, roughly 1,400 items slash clues of what life was like back then. Gold rings, silver cups, even a bronze sword with an ivory hilt. That is amazing. Can you imagine just fucking finding that in the dirt? Yeah, I had dreamed about that shit as a kid, uncovering something like that in my yard. Turns out uh, not a lot of ancient Greek stuff in uh, central Idaho. Not a lot of... Uh, sometimes you find some old Mountain Dew cans. It's about as good as it gets. Um, but yeah, two researchers from the University of Cincinnati working on this excavation estimate that three-quarters of the uh, finished graves' goods uh, came from Crete, which was a two-day sail to the south from this burial site, rather than local sources. And that's how people learn stuff about the past. Like, that's how they learned that, you know, they were definitely trading with other civilizations. And I know they already knew that by the time they got to this tomb, but, you know, that's how it's definitive proof, you know? 35, it's not just like a story written by somebody back then. It's goods that are definitely, you know, they can carbon test them or however they fucking figure it out that are from other places. So they were definitely trading. And that's badass, man. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool this dude was a sword-carrying warrior, too. Can you imagine? Can you imagine really being that? Back in time, fighting with a fucking sword? I can't imagine today fighting with a gun and trying to kill somebody 100 yards away. That seems so personal. And just taking another human life, you know, that's such a big thing. I have so much... You know, respect for soldiers who were able to do that to defend their country. But, but I mean, even like today's military, yes, occasionally I'm sure there's, there's hand-to-hand situations, but by and large, it's at a distance. Can you imagine where pretty much everything was, was fucking right in your face? Like, like when your job is to go hack people to death with a sword who are trying to hack you to death with a sword? God, ancient people had a, a lot tougher than we do today. They really do. But, uh, wow. Well, I hope you found all this stuff as fascinating as I did. Let's, uh, let's now hit the highlights with some top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Top five takeaway number one. Uh, if you can't afford a taxidermist to preserve your beloved pet or family member, just find a marshy bog uh, to throw them in. Let them soak for a couple years, and then bam! Nana is a bit browner than you may remember. Uh, maybe a bit wet. But she looks just like she did in life, old and miserable and judging you. Number two, bogs were an awesome place to go in ancient Europe if you wanted to be severely beaten, tortured, and hung. Apparently, that was uh, quite the thing to do back then. Number three, ancient Irish kings made, <laughs> made their subjects suck on their royal nipples. Oh, my God. And check this out. This, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some extra info that I didn't give you earlier that I found. Uh, sometimes they would cut off. Uh, while, while they were alive, a royal descendant's nipples. They would, they would cut off the dude's nipples to make him ineligible for kingship. Because you can't be a fucking king in ancient Ireland unless you've got some proper nips to suck on. No one's, no one's sucking on a scar. That's peasant shit. Unbelievable. That really is true. That's one of the most entertaining historical facts I've ever heard. Number four, 12,000 years ago, at least one ancient Israeli woman was super into turtles, like big time. And people were a lot more casual about killing turtles back then. And number five, while being buried in an elaborate tomb complete with a fancy bronze sword seems super cool, being an ancient Greek who had to kill people with a sword seems super shitty. Be glad. Be so very glad that we no longer live in the age of sword fighting. 
Time suck. Top five takeaways. All right. Well, thank you again for going on another Time Suck adventure with me. And, uh, and thanks, Rebecca, uh, for that topic. That was fun. And, uh, and a lot of you have been sending me topics, which I'm so appreciative. Uh, please don't feel bad if I don't make it to yours. And if I've already done one of yours, it'll probably be a long, long time if I do another one. Um, there just aren't enough weeks in the year to do them all, and I save a bunch of weeks for myself. I, I alone lately have been thinking about five new time sucks a week. Uh, there's just so much shit out there that I find fascinating. But keep sending them in. I mean, some of them are definitely topics I find amazing that I would have never discovered on my own. So I really I really appreciate uh, this kind of relationship uh, we're, we're all forming through this podcast. It's awesome. I hope to really kind of grow and expand this whole whole situation uh, over the next few years. And go to timesuckpodcast.com for pictures of a lot of the stuff I talked about in this episode. And that is all for now. Stay curious. And have a great week, everybody. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.